Darling? Yes, darling? I think it's time we changed our mattress. Really? Yes, it's completely lost its boing. And frankly, so have we. If your love life has lost its spring, why not pay a visit to Harlington Beds, Bedfordshire's premier sleep emporium? Whether you're seeking a new mattress, headboard, or just a fresh place to... <coughs> Harlington Beds has the lot. At unbeatable prices. Harlington Beds it is, then. They do same-day delivery. That means we can try it out this afternoon. But I'm playing golf this afternoon. Oh, that's perfect. What do you mean? Nothing. Harlington Beds. The best beds in beds. This episode contains descriptions of penises, along with other, more general penis talk. If talking about lots of penises is not to your taste, you may wish to turn off now. My name is Alan Stoob, and this is Alan Stoob's True Crime Casebook. Hello, and a belated Happy New Year, one and all. I hope you enjoyed a pleasing festive break. Ours was somewhat spoilt by the explosion of my right bunion, and the subsequent oozing. On the upside, however, I discovered that I'm 81 years old, and not 83 as I originally thought. But enough about me. It's time to turn our attention to today's case. Fancott is a small hamlet just off Junction 11A of the M1. Hemmed in by Hockcliffe, Sundon, Toddington, and the B5306109, it has the distinction of being Bedfordshire's joint fourth smallest village, alongside Shittington. Beyond that, there's little that's noteworthy about Fancott, save perhaps its wimpy bar, the 16th to open in the UK, and the 14th to close. Yet from the late 70s throughout the 80s and 90s, and on to the early noughties, the village became notorious for something other than failing fast food chains. A highly prolific flasher. Good evening and welcome to Look East. There has been another sighting of the man described locally as the Fancott Flasher. We can now go live to Chris Peacock in the centre of Fancott. Chris, what have you got for us? Thanks, Susan. I'm joined by Marjorie George and Sally McKenzie, both of whom were approached by this man today. Marjorie, you were walking back from the optician when the man exposed himself to you. Tell me what happened. I was walking back from the optician when the man exposed himself to me, Chris. As soon as I turned left hand Farmer's Lane, there he was, in a Batman mask, legs wide apart, coat flapping in the breeze, hands on hips, and with his Uno hanging out. I said, no thanks, and walked on. How did it feel? I didn't touch it. I mean the experience. Shit. Well, I'm sure he didn't mean any harm. Sally, you also came face to face with the man. That's right, Chris. I was exiting Wimpy with my sister, Bethanwi, when he leapt out from behind a dog and just stood there, masked up his cloak floating in his wake, so to speak. I took one look and laughed. He had such a tiny... This is Chris Peacock for Look East, Fancott. Between 1976 and 1979, the Fancott flasher exposed himself no fewer than 800 times, sometimes just the back, though mostly the front. The incidents were initially laughed off by police, 
This was, after all, a different era. A time when white dogma blanketed Britain's pavements and the BBC only employed paedophiles. In this context, a local flasher was dismissed as amusing rather than as a dangerous, disturbed sex maniac threatening women and undermining the very fabric of Bedfordshire society. However, after the 1000th incident was reported in 1981, police were forced to act. Thank you all for coming. Alright, settle down. Jeff Lyme here, Detective Chief Constable, Bedfordshire Constabulary. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a pervert in our midst, and I'm not talking about sweaty Derek in traffic. <laughs> all right, all right. Yesterday morning, a man thought to be in his 20s exposed himself by fan cot underpass. Apparently, it was so distressing the victim couldn't eat her chipolatas later that night. Seriously though, we are assuming that the incident was perpetrated by the man known as the fan cop flasher. Since he wears a superhero mask, he cannot be identified via his facial features. However, I have here an artist's impression of his below the navel particulars. Is that actual size, Jeff? No. The Johnson in question is said to be far below the national average in terms of both girth and length. The withered finish and striking resemblance to Gandhi are, however, of particular interest. Since all his exposés occur within the fancourt area, we are going on the assumption that the man is local. So, if anyone recognises this mock-up of the Flashers' Willy Wonka, please contact Bedfordshire's police via the usual channels. Any questions? With regards to the man's penis... We'd rather not use that word. What word should I use? Wang, chopper, rod or cockerel. With regards to the man's cockerel, are you conducting house-to-house inquiries? Unfortunately, we cannot insist that the men of Bedfordshire drop their trousers and show us their little firemen. Instead, we hope to flush out the individual via circulation of the aforeshown mock-up. Do you have a psychological profile of the assailant? Yes. He likes to get his todger out in public. Any other questions? What are you doing tonight, Jeff? The image of the Flasher's penis was circulated across Fancop, but all too often youths would deface the posters, adding what looked like water spurting from the end. Despite extensive media coverage and pamphleting, no one came forward, suggesting the man was single, still a virgin, or being protected by a misguided partner. But then, in early 1982, and out of the blue, a woman fetched up at Toddington Police Station with a story to tell. For the purpose of the tape, present in the room are Detective Chief Inspector Derek Hamble, that's me, the lovely WPC Shirley Mule, and the equally lovely Susan Quill. Ms Quill, can you please tell us what you told officers in the canteen? Of course. A year ago, following a messy divorce, I began dating a local man named Keller. He seemed nice enough, had good manners, plus he was extremely clean. That's important, isn't it? So important. Anyway, following an especially tasty meal at the Ancient Britain in Houghton Conquest, which he paid for, incidentally, I invited him in for a cup of mellow birds. Perhaps it would be different in the distant future, but I believe that if someone buys you dinner, you have to ask them up, even if you detest them. 
Right, Shirley? Right. Anyway, one thing led to another, and a few minutes in, I had my hand down his pants. When you say down his pants, you mean inside the pant lining? Yes. Pants as in underpants, not the American definition denoting trousers. Look, this is embarrassing enough without having to spell it out. I had my hand down his fucking pants and I was feeling his... Sorry, Miss Quill. Please continue. The thing is, immediately I knew it wasn't for me. There just wasn't enough there, if you catch my drift. I do. I actually never looked down there, only felt. But I have very sensitive hands, you see. They almost look like eyes, my hands. And the end of it, it reminded me of the head of an Indian activist and opponent of British rule, Mahatma Gandhi. Excuse me for asking, Miss Quill, but how can a willy feel like a civil rights campaigner? I once touched one that felt like Martin Luther King. See? Let's take a break. Police were eager to track down the man who went by the name Keller, but when they visited the address he had given Quill, they found themselves stood opposite Whipsonade Zoo. Police searched for a Keller in their filing cabinet, but found no one matching that name within a 174-mile radius. With no leads to go on, impetus fell away, and the trail ran cold. Time to hear from one of our sponsors. Do you suffer from hallucinations? Are you experiencing panic attacks? Were you once cornered in Haddenbrook's hospital by the late Jimmy Savile? If the answer to any of these questions is yes I was slash yes I am, then it's time to visit the Charmouth Clinic on Charmouth Road, Leegrave. The Charmouth Clinic treats all kinds of mental health issues, from anxiety and depression to schizophrenia and can't get it up. Many of our therapists have themselves suffered from profound psychological problems, so you'll be in good company. So if you're feeling anxious, suicidal, or seeing bees where there are no bees, call us now on 01582 60406. Charmouth Clinic. We're here to listen to your problems because we care about your problems and we want you to get better from them. Charmouth Clinic is a counselling centre in Deegrave, not to be confused with the town of Charmouth in Dorset, so don't fuck up the sat-nav. Drop in any time and take a tour of our high security ward. Just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you. Parking is free for the first hour. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, this is Alan Stoob, and you're listening to Alan Stoob's True Crime Casebook. Thanks as ever goes to my grandson Hayden for managing the technical side of the podcast. Your vote, Grandad. The man known as the Fancott Flasher continued to expose himself throughout the 80s, the 90s, and on into the noughties. But, like a dying photographer, there was more and more time between exposures, until eventually they ceased altogether. It is now 16 years since this dangerous pervert last struck. For all we know, the man behind the mask may be dead. He may have deserted the area. He may even have undergone a penis extension. Regardless, no one should be allowed to terrorize an entire hamlet and get away with it. But what if he was still living? What if the man was still resident in Fancott? It was time to investigate further. stood outside Costa Coffee, formerly Fancott's Wimpy Bar, and once the hub of village life. 
This is the place where the perpetrator exposed himself to Sally McKenzie and, allegedly, purchased a wimpy egg brunch straight after. Although it's hard to get a sense of what exactly he- Excuse me, you used to be Alan Stoop? Still am. British Premier Nazi, answer? Yes. You have your autograph, mate? Of course. Only joking, you're a fucking joke, mate. You're a fucking joke, mate. Oh, good comeback, old man. Come on, Daryl, let's go. I've never liked it around here. Frankly, they're all stupid. It's time to talk to some clever folk. I'm sat at home in the living room, flanked by two very clever sorts. Dad? My daughter, Tina. Hi, Dad. And her son, my grandson, Hayden. Nice one, Alan. All right, you two. You're probably the brightest people I know. Stop it, Dad. You're embarrassing me. What is it, Granddad? I need to work out who in the fancourt area would have seen the most penises. Dad? Hayden's only 16. It's just an exercise in lateral thinking. Is the answer Grandma? Oi, watch it. Someone mentioned me. It's nothing, love. Wasting your time on the cold cases again, Alan. It's not a waste. Oh, well, you're obviously very busy. Perhaps I'll see what Potato George is up to this afternoon. Don't do that. I don't like feeling neglected, Alan. Not one bit. There will be repercussions. Isn't that Grandma's old boyfriend? Hayden? Is it true Grandma had an affair with the boxer Henry Cooper? Hayden! It's alright. It was a long time ago. Anyway, come on you two. I need your brains. Think penises. Hmm. How about GPs? That's good. GPs do see a lot of penises. Except I'm not sure all men need to show theirs to their doctor. Mm, that's also true. Dr. Grossmark has only ever seen my balls. What about sex workers? How do you know about sex workers? Got Pornhub app. Dad, tell him! Whatever the merits or otherwise of a young man running a steady stream of free-to-air pornographic material on his mobile device, the boy was onto something. Sex workers see more penises than almost anyone, even more than doctors. And then it dawned on me exactly who I'd need to visit. Stood outside the entrance to Mistress Miff's S&M dungeon. She works as an informant when I was on the force. Let's hope she's still amenable. Well, if it isn't Alan fucking Stube. Hello, Mistress. Don't just stand there. Get your worthless flat ass in here. If anyone could help, it would be Mistress Miv. Well, this wasn't going to be easy. That's it, come on, close the door. Now, down on all the fours. But Mistress... Down! Yes, Mistress. What do you want, Alan? Information. Lick my toes. Not like that, in between. Better. What was that? Just Sylvia next door exerting some pressure. You were saying? I've got a picture of a willy in my pocket. And here's me thinking you were just pleased to see me. I was wondering if you could take a lick, I mean a look. I will. After you've licked the heart. Good boy. Show me then. Here. I'd know that one anywhere. Whose is it? Cyril Mollops. Also goes by the name Keller. Keller? 
This was a breakthrough. Regular at the Fancott Arms. You'll find him there most nights. Thank you, Mistress. Alan, you've not finished. Sorry, Mistress, got to go. Alan, you haven't finished licking my buttress. I had a name and a location. Now I just needed to set up a sting. That night, Hayden and me headed to the Fancott Arms. Once inside, I established from the bar staff which one Cyril Mollop, or Keller, was. Then it was just a case of sitting back, waiting for the beard to do its work, and following him into the gents. Evening. Cold night. Good beer here. I said good beer here. Quite fancy the barmaid. Lovely arms. That's weird. That sink's got two hot taps. Over there. There. Gotcha. Pardon? Never mind. Must be my imagination. Enjoy your evening, Cyril. Don't wash your hands. How do you know my name? Hayden and I waited in the car till he came out. Then we trailed him home. Fifteen the Crescent. Write that down, Grandad. No need. It's logged in my brain, Hayden. Can we go home now? I'm sitting GCSE maths in the morning. You should have said. Can I do the gears? Only if you don't tell your mother. The following morning, I emailed images of Mollop's undersized penis to three of the victims. By 3 p.m., I had three answers. Yes. That's him. Gandhi. Which left me on the horns of a dilemma. To go to the police or confront Mollop myself. My head said the former, but my heart told me I should approach the man, be tough, but try and understand what drove him. The following morning, I found myself outside the door of 15 the Crescent, armed only with the knowledge that I would soon be unmasking the fan-cop flasher, and possibly leaving myself vulnerable. You again. Hello, Cyril. You tried to make out the sink and the arms had two hot taps. I know I did. That was a bit weird. Maybe. Who are you? Alan Stube, ex-policeman and formerly Britain's premier Nazi hunter. You probably heard of me. Nope. Can I come in? Why? Because you, sir, are the fan-cop flasher and I claim my five pounds. And with that, Mollet bolted past me and ran in the direction of Canal. The chase was on. He was younger than me and fast for a pervert, but I'd arrived on my old Bianchi bike, the one I rode to fourth place in the 1967 tour of Britain. Mollop fled over Duncan Fields, but I took a shortcut down Runcon Street while cycling one-handed and calling the police with the other. Two minutes later, I headed him off down Douglas Bader cul-de-sac. He was cornered. Mollop had nowhere to go. I've called the police. Island, you can't. No need for that. My life is over. Not necessarily. You just need to do some time and get some help. I'm married now. All I needed was a love of a good woman. 
That's as maybe, but we must all pay for our former sins. Hold on, I do remember you. You were that Nazi hunter. Britain's premier. You tried and failed to hunt down the Nazis that had fled from Bremen to Biggleswade. I took down many big names. Your wife had an affair with that boxer. What's his name, um, Henry Cooper. So what? You're a loser, Alan. That's actually funny, Cyril. Goodbye, and good luck in prison. They don't much like flashes in there. Alan! What? I'm... I'm sorry. Bit late for that now. I should never have done what I did. Exposing your own unsolicited penis in a public area is a very serious crime, Cyril. Oh no, I'm... I'm so sorry. I just thought if enough people laughed at how small it was, I'd stop caring. And did you? Yes and no. Alan, tell me this. Did I do any lasting damage to those women? You'd have to ask them, Cyril, but I'd say probably. Oh, God. Plus you damaged the reputation of Fancott. In fact, now I come to think of it, the reputation of Bedfordshire across the world has been sullied by your micro-winkle. I'm truly sorry for everything I've done, Alan. Put in a good word for me, please. Maybe. I love you, Alan. That's just weird. Goodbye, Cyril. Cyril pleaded guilty to a plethora of public exposure offences and received a two-year sentence. I, meanwhile, was given the freedom of Fancott, which meant that any time I happened to be visiting the place, I could enjoy a free pint, which is where I am now, with my lovely wife, Idami. Hello, Alan. Here's to us. And to having an above-average-sized penis. Below average, Alan. But you always said it was above average. I lied. Oh. <laughs> You've been listening to Alan Stoop's True Crime Casebook. Hayden says you should take a moment to like and subscribe or the Nazis will get you. Alan Stoop's True Crime Casebook was devised, written, produced and performed by Saul Wordsworth. It was a Stay Vigilant production. Thank you.